Welcome to Shi'ar Jashub, brought to you by the Church Fellowship of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the teaching ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will be continuing with the in-depth Through the Bible series entitled Heavenly Authority. So let's join my husband, Pastor Greg, as he begins the Sunday Sermon. Let's pick up our study today in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 18. We have here a sharp contrast to the two grown wicked sons of the high priest Eli, whose names are Hophni and Phinehas, in this boy Samuel. It says in verse 18, But Samuel ministered before the Lord, before Yahweh, even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. And we should remember, this is the second time we've read this. Back in verse 11, it said how Elkanah went to his house, but the child Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. And it's a breath of fresh air here when we read about Samuel after reading about the bad conduct of Eli's sons. Even as a child, he ministered before the Lord. Remember, the Levite would assume his position, and Samuel is a Levite, uh, usually at 25 years old. But he's serving as a young boy, as a very young child, a young Levite. And he's helping Eli personally as Eli the high priest does his ministry as the high priest. And he's learning Eli's ministry. He's learning the priesthood as Eli does it. And he's actually a much bigger help to Eli, we'll see, than Eli's own sons. Now it says in this verse, he wears a linen ephod. And just a little aside, fine linen garments were especially worn in ancient times by royalty, by kings and queens and the royal court. In the Bible, those who ministered at the tabernacle and later the temple wore fine linen. When we study the garments of the high priest back in Exodus chapter 28, we saw, we read how Aaron and his sons wore skillfully woven tunics of fine linen, and they wore a turban of fine linen. That's in verse 39 of chapter 28. And then in verse 42, we read how they wore linen trousers. We also saw going ahead in time in Second Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 12. Let me read that one. Second Chronicles chapter 5 verse 12. Uh, and the Levites who were the singers, all of those of Asaph and Heman. Remember Heman is Samuel's grandson. And Judundan with their sons and their brethren stood at the east end of the altar clothed in white linen, having cymbals, instruments, harps, etc. So when they would sing at the temple, the Levites wore the fine linen. 
clothed in white linen. And in the New Testament, we're told that the saints of the Lord are clothed in fine linen. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 14, it says, And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Here are the saints returning with Jesus Christ. And they're symbolized, they're seen, clothed in fine linen. And the symbolism of it is given earlier. In verse 7 of chapter 19, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice, and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Now, who's the wife? The bride of Christ, that's the church, right? The church has made herself ready. And verse 8, it says, And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So when we see the church symbolized as a bride, the bride of Christ, and then literally coming back with Jesus in the air, everyone dressed, the armies dressed in fine linen. Here we're told that the fine linen, the covering of the church, the garments we will wear someday, those who return with the Lord Jesus Christ, are symbolic of the what? The righteous acts of the saints. We're supposed to be clothed with the righteous acts that God desires us to perform. So in this section in 1 Samuel, amid the corruption of the priesthood, you have this innocent little boy serving at the tabernacle in linen, in the fine linen which represents purity and righteousness. And you can see it. You can see Eli there, the old man, and you can see the little boy there holding maybe the candle, trying to do what's right, following him along in this little linen ephod, this little white ephod, which symbolizes purity, righteous acts, righteousness. And what a contrast to the older two sons who are stealing and committing immorality, and they disdain God, they disdain the sacrifices of God, purity versus corruption. And that linen is symbolic of it. Moreover, it's called an ephod. And we should quickly remember the word from our study of the high priest in Exodus chapter 28. Remember the ephod was a sleeveless, two-piece vest or apron-like garment that was close-fitting and extended to the hips. It was worn over the trousers and all. And the high priest wore it as part of his official garments. It's one of the more important parts of the garment. When he ministered at the altar and at the tabernacle, and it spoke specifically of his function as high priest. It also was made of fine linen. But it was an artistic work because interwoven, skillfully interwoven, into it was pure gold and threads of blue and scarlet and purple. And it was held on by an intricately woven band and was joined at the shoulders by straps that had two onyx stones 
And on the onyx stones, it was engraved the names of the sons, the tribes of Israel. And there were chains of braided gold on the ephod. And attached to it was the breastplate of judgment, which had the Urim and the Thummim, the light and the perfection. And it was very elaborate. And it spoke of his special position. And the word ephod is really only used in connection with the high priest, with the priesthood. There's one other mention uh, in Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 14, where we read that David, when the ark is brought to Jerusalem, dances before the ark and he's wearing a linen ephod. But otherwise, it's connected solely with the priesthood. And we saw how when Micah, not Micah the prophet, Micah the apostate in the book of Judges, how when he wants to set up his false uh, priestly system in his house with his household priest, one of the things he makes for the priest is an ephod. So it speaks directly of a priestly function. Matter of fact, if you go down later on and you read in verse 28, the Lord says, Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod before me? So the ephod is almost exclusively symbolic of the priesthood. So here we have this little Samuel. Obviously, he's not in the elaborate, artistic ephod of the high priest. He's wearing his little white you know, ephod next to Eli. But in his own little pure ephod, it's as though he's learning, though he's a Levite, he's not a descendant of Aaron, he's learning the priesthood of Eli, and perhaps we're starting to speak about a different type of priesthood, a priesthood based on innocence and righteousness. Remember, Samuel is a Levite, not a descendant of Aaron. He's from Kohath. More importantly, he's a descendant of Korah. Korah, the one who rebelled and opposed the priesthood of his cousin Aaron. And this little sidekick there is ministering before the Lord next to Eli, helping Eli. And he learns to be before the Lord. He knows the presence of the Lord there in the tabernacle. Okay, let's go on. Moreover, verse 19 of chapter 2, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, The Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. Then they would go to their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. So we see in this section the good nature of Hannah and Elkanah. They again always come up for the yearly worship. And the joy she must have had making that little robe and the love she must have made that robe with to replace his clothing every year when they would come up for the worship. And obviously, Eli appreciates her sacrifice and he appreciates little Samuel's service because he blesses her. And again, God hears the blessing and Hannah has more children. That word loan there could also be gift. 
the gift she has given to the Lord. And the Lord visited Hannah. He visited or attended to Hannah. The spirits of all people come about only because the Father ordains it. Our bodies, our flesh come from our parents, but the spirit comes from God. And she has children, three sons, two daughters, and God blesses her even more. So the praying, worshiping, obedient, humble, and sacrificing woman, this barren woman is blessed abundantly and brings forth much fruit. And that's really the gospel. This woman was brought to a place of brokenness. She was humble. She was obedient. She was faithful to God. She was sacrificing. She wanted what God had for her. And in barrenness, much fruit has been born. Not only Samuel, who will be a great man of God, but she has more children. God takes our barrenness, and he, when we come to him, he gives us a harvest that only he can give. Thank you for listening to the program today. It is always a joy to study God's Word. If you would like to write to us or help support the evangelical outreach of our church, please send all correspondence and donations to Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south to Route 1. Turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. We are in the yellow brick and white building. Please join us next time for Shear Jeshub.